Well, we are finishing our uh, series in Ephesians. Have you enjoyed this series? I love the book of Ephesians, and we just walked through it week after week. And uh, several weeks ago, I asked uh, Mark Northcutt to come and if he would be able to finish out this series. So he's going to be dealing with Ephesians chapter number six. And uh, I always love to hear Mark preach. There have been so many times when I've not been here and I always go, I got to listen to that. So I'll go to the Facebook or, or our website and, uh, and listen to those. So you guys know Mark Northcutt really doesn't need an introduction, but he does need to know how much you love him. So can we welcome Mark, man? Thanks for being here. Thank you, My hope is at the end of this day, you don't have to apologize to anybody for letting me speak. All right. Uh, take your Bibles or your tablets or your uh, whatever device you have, uh, and let's turn to the Word of God. We're going to look in Ephesians chapter 6. I uh, overheard a conversation with some uh, a young couple, and uh, they were talking about a guest speaker they had at their church. And uh, one said to the other, said, uh, I don't know their name, but he was just some old guy. And I realize I'm the OG, and I realize that I am that. So I thought just to help you better relate, maybe, that I could pull out a picture of whenever I was just coming out of college, and that way you would be able to kind of not think of me as old guy. Uh, go ahead and show my college picture. Here I am. Um, I don't have glasses there, but I look a lot. Just, just want to share that with you all. Thank you so much. Ephesians, here we go. You ready? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Wow. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Wow, there is a lot there. And obviously, you know that we could have easily taken any section of this and made a complete series out of it. But today, I want to talk about just two things. I want to talk about the enemy's arsenal, and then I want to talk about the believer's arsenal. Those two things. You ready? Can, let's just ask the Lord to be with us. Father, I, I pray that you would not, uh, Lord, help me to be a better communicator. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking that you would take the spiritual realm, those things that are heavenly created, and one of those be in the anointing, and you would give unto me the ability to communicate to the point where your people are fed, where, Father, they literally can experience fresh bread from heaven. And it would touch and answer, direct, and empower your people for the day of which that we live. I pray that because you are the only one who can. I, I, I 
I, I completely confess my inadequacy, but I am proud to say that I am dependent upon you. And I just thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. Paul, Paul, the apostle, he begins here in these very first verses, and he's not saying that we do not struggle, we don't have issues with flesh and blood, with people. Paul, the apostle, had struggles. He had people who imprisoned him, who flogged him, who, who ridiculed, who spit upon him, who did all sorts of stuff. Yes, he had struggle with that. But what he was saying here is that just the fact of the person is not the complete picture. There is an entity. There is a power. There are forces that is behind that, behind that action, behind that behavior, behind what is being done that is not of the natural. It is of a spiritual dimension. He calls it evil. He calls it spiritual powers, authorities, and these things. But the problem we have in the Western world is we don't lean into that. We don't lean into that part of it. We have a tendency to lean into the fact that there are natural causes to everything. And if there's natural causes to everything, then there's going to be natural remedies or scientific remedies to these natural causes. So we don't lean into those things. We, we, we say stuff like if there's crime or poverty or violence, if there's brutality, abuse or neglect, it's because of some natural reasons. And so if we can figure that out, then we can figure out the solution to it. So we start looking for those things. That's the way we lead into here in the West. And so we even, we even uh, attribute uh, actions and behaviors to psychological factors. Or we create, or maybe there's sociological structures that's because of poverty or, or because of, of neglect or because of these kind of things, because of these factors, if we can discover them, if we can put a handle on them, if we can find the gene that controls that, then we can manipulate that and eliminate evil and eliminate the badness that's happening in this world. There's a gentleman by the name of Andrew DeBalco. He's a Columbia University. He's a, a, a secularist intellectual. He, he does not profess anything of God. A few years ago, he wrote a book entitled The Death of Satan, How America Has Shed, the, Has Lost the Sense of Evil. And in this book, he writes, he, he begins, and he opens it up, and he says this. There is a gulf has opened in our culture between the visibility of evil and our intellectual resources to cope with it. He goes on to say, we have jettisoned in the West the idea of cosmic evil. We have jettisoned the idea that there could be a Satan, a devil, or there could be a power that is, that is literally determined and focused upon destruction and not good. In fact, we, we, we don't even like to use the term evil nowadays. We, 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 we have a tendency to use uh, other terms because the word evil means that there's value judgments or, or there's moral absolutes. And we, we're thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're not really at fault. They're not really the problem. You got to understand the, those external forces are the why. And so why, what's happened is that we've eliminated the word of evil and we've gone to medical terms. So we use terms such as, uh, well, dysfunction, pathology, neurosis, psychosis. And we use all of this and we, we try to 
describe why there's individuals who have a willingness or a cooperation or even a, a joy in evil. And we struggle with that. Delbanco, he, he says one of the problems that we have in that mindset is that we cannot describe adequately the Holocaust. We can't understand mass shootings. We don't know what, how do we put into words whenever there's abuse of a child or someone is sold into trafficking as a small child. We can't understand what's happening in Ukraine right now where they're discovering bodies that are, oh my goodness, how can you describe that anyway but evil? So Dabanko, he uses an iconic movie to describe what he's trying to put across. He takes the horror movie, Silence of the Lambs, Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. You probably, some of you are nodding your head. Some of you are going, no, I never saw that. That's okay. That's fine. But he takes a scene whenever Anthony Hopkins, who is this serial killer, and he is being interviewed by the FBI agent, Agent Starling, who plays by, by uh, Jodie Foster. She walks in and she says this, what happened that made you like this? And he responds, nothing happened to me, Agent Officer Starling. I happened. You can't reduce me to a set of influences. You've given up Good and evil for behaviorism, Officer Starling. You've got everybody in moral dignity pants, and nothing is ever anybody's fault. Look at me, Officer Starling. Can you stand and say I'm evil? I'm evil, Officer Starling. The thing in which we've got to understand is that there is not just a difficulty in relationships. There are many times there are forces that are trying to captivate the weakness that is identified and expand it for destruction because we got to remember that the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if that's your faith, if that's your relationships, if that's your home, if that's your health, if it's whatever it may be, the point is there is an attention to that. So he says in verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God, that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The word schemes can be translated, it's a Greek word, it can be translated in a couple ways. Uh, in, in other passages in the New Testament, it, it uses the word devices. And here, we could easily translate it and accurately translate it as strategies. Now, I, I want to point out two errors and two strategies. Here are the two errors. The two errors uh, I'm going to take out of C.S. Lewis's book, uh, the screw tape letters. It's a it's a classic book and it's it's wonderful. <laughs> to be honest with you, and in the introduction, C.S. Lewis describes how that there could be one of two errors that people have. One is to underestimate the enemy. The other error would be to overestimate the enemy. To underestimate the enemy is pretty easy. That we would kind of fall prey to the Disney mentality, and that is that, uh, well, you know, it's nothing but a, a, a mindset. It's nothing more than just a fairy tale, mythology, that the enemy and all of, his, all of his dominions, all that kind of stuff is nothing more than just for those who are unintelligible, or maybe those in the third world. Well, you've got to understand that is, that is an error because we really do eliminate the possibility of his influence of trying to come against you. The second one is to overestimate. 
To overestimate is where you put everything at the devil's fault. I got a flat tire. Well, some demon came and put a nail in my tire. I, how dare that? You know, and all that good stuff. And suddenly you are overestimating. You're giving too much credit to the power of darkness. He says what we need to understand is that, yeah, we do live in a fallen world. There are things that happen. Life takes place, stuff like that. There are sometimes whenever we ate too much pizza and we had a bad night and we got a stomachache the next day. And sometimes we start arguments and it's not the enemy. It's nothing more than just our selfishness. But we need to understand that there are certain strategies that the enemy works against us. And it's found here, I love what Tim, Timothy Keller, he's a, a name I hope you recognize. He took a book written by Thomas Brooks many years ago, a Puritan preacher, and he developed it and he says there are two strategies. One is temptation and two is accusation. Now, let me just contrast those for you. Temptation is whenever Satan attempts to give you too high of a value of yourself where there's temptation. That's too high of a value of self. Accusation is whenever the enemy tries to give you too low of, a, of an opinion of yourself. Too low of a value. So it's just the opposite. Temptation is too high. Accusation is too low. You say, well, give me some illustrations. I'm glad you asked. I happen to have a few here that uh, they're written out. And here's the first one. Is that the enemy under temptation, he, is a, he shows you the bait, but he doesn't show you the hook. So in other words, he, he shows you the short-term benefits, the pleasure you get out of it, but he does not show you the long-term misery. He shows you that, that engaging in that, yeah, there's a feel-good there, but long-term there's an adverse effect, there's a penalty, there's, there's many times an addiction that's connected to it. Here's another one. He gives, gets you to rationalize sin as a virtue. In other words, you're saying, I I, I, I'm, I'm not greedy, I'm thrifty. Or you say, well, I, I'm not a gossip, I'm just concerned. Or you could say, well, I, I, I'm not disobedient, I'm just cautious. That's how it happened. Here's another one. He shows you the sins of Christian leaders. In other words, we, we have a tendency to say, well, if they can't hold up, if they do it, man, surely there's no hope for me. I might as well just go ahead and just rock along here. Here's another one. The, he overstresses the mercy of God. Is that we engage in sin. We submit to the temptation because we say, well, God's going to forgive me. That's what he's got to do. It's, it's part of the package. I read the five print. It's in there. And that, all I have to do is say, I'm sorry, and I'm back to square one. Or here's another one. He shows you how many bad people seem to be having a great time in life. If we look at other people and we go, I'm trying my best to hold the line and look over there. They're not even struggling. They're not even having difficulties. Why? Why am I fighting against this? I might as well just take a step back. Here's another one. He gets you to compare one part of your life to another. I'm doing really well here. I come to church. I try to be a moral person, try to raise my family right. For me to have this over here, that's understandable. That mindset is of, 
is many times used. In fact, they did, a, <clears throat> they did interviews of a mafia hitmen. And the number one thing they said was, yeah, I'm a hitman, but I take care of my mom really, really well. Okay, that makes sense to somebody. But you see the rationale there? Here, here's the last one on temptation. Is that is simply <clears throat> is that you've suffered, and because of your suffering, and because of the difficulties you've had in life, you need to be able to say, I get a pass over here. I get a mulligan. I get I do over. I get this. Well, what about accusations? Accusations are shorter. There, there's less of these. The first one is that whenever you're accusing, in other words, he's wanting you to look less, less valued. He has a tendency to have you look at your sin more than your Savior. In other words, I, I, I just can't do right. I can't do right. I can't get over this. There's just no reason. I might as well just throw in the towel. This is the way I am. This is the way that I'm made. Here's another one. He calls you to obsess over past sins that have done damage and you can't do anything about it. And you're hung up on the fact of maybe you were not the victim, but you were the reason why it fell apart. Here's another one. Is that he makes you think that the troubles that you are going through are your punishment that you rightly deserve. I had an individual say to me, and listen, I say this with very tenderness. Say the reason why that they were going through cancer is because God knew that they needed to be punished. Oh my goodness. God, will, whatever is in heaven is the only thing that he would do here on earth. If he doesn't have disease in heaven, and he won't do it here on earth. The point that I would like to make is finally is that you, make, uh, you may think that the inner struggles couldn't possibly be by a person who is really a true Christian. So that accusation says that there's something that's just not there. Other Christians, yeah, they got it together, but I don't. See, that's the schemes of the enemy. He comes to you with temptation or he comes to you with accusation. Do some of these relate to you? Does some of these kind of connect with some thoughts you have? Because again, you got to remember that the enemy is a liar. <laughs> the key to it is he's a liar. He doesn't come to you with, with no, no, no semblance of truth. He just takes a truth and he twists it into a lie. And he does that also in this way. So we talked about the enemy's arsenal. Let's talk about the believer's arsenal. You ready? I, I know there are, <clears throat> there are individuals who are experiencing, and you might be in the book, you might be in that group right now. You're experiencing challenges and struggles that are that are honestly just uh, it, it, it seems like it's like pushing against a mountain. You can't make headway. It might be in bad thinking or or generational curses. It might be in habits or patterns or. It might be, well, the list could be almost endless. But the point is that you're going through the motions, but you're not making progress in life. Your life is just, if I was going to describe it in a way, it's just like walking through mud. It's difficult. It's harsh. It's, there's not a stride to it. It's a struggle to it. Paul is telling us in this passage 
when he says to put on the full armor of God. He is telling us in a clear language that we are going to have to learn how to deal with these type of things. And that we need to understand the forces that are aligned against us. He is clearly saying, he is clearly saying, you can't luck into a happy life. I, I know individuals, and, and I'm, I'm not wanting to be harsh, individuals who buy lottery tickets because they think if they can get lucky with the ticket, then that will give them a good life. Let me just say, you cannot luck into a happy life. And you cannot luck into a good life. So it says in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. William uh, Gurnall, uh, he wrote a book entitled The Christian in Complete Armor. It's, it's, a, it's an oldie. Yeah, that's all the books I guess I read are the oldies, but uh, it is an oldie. And he has a line in this book that is phenomenal. It goes like this. It requires more prowess and greatness of spirit to obey God faithfully than to command a battalion of troops. And you think it, no, no. Let's do it one more time. It takes more prowess and greatness of spirit to obey God faithfully than to command a battalion of troops. Why do I say that? Because one of the most difficult things in America is for us to submit our will to someone else. We are an individualistic society. We, we, are, we pride ourselves in individualistic thinking. We do not think of ourselves corporately. We think of ourselves individually. So that way, whenever someone talks about maybe your favorite band or your favorite food or whatever, and they don't like it, we take it personal. We, wow, how dare you? Because we take it that way. And for us, to submit to our will to someone else is almost unmanageable. It's, it's, I, I'm not saying it's beyond our ability to think. I'm just saying it is, it is almost beyond our capacity to think through that. So he comes here and he uses an illustration, a military illustration, of putting on the full armor of God. And he's basically trying to communicate to us that one of the key ingredients to coming against the powers of darkness is for us to submit our will to his. We have a tendency to not think that way. We have a tendency to say, okay, God, I want you to enrich me. I want you to take care of me. I want you to make life easier for me. I want you to make sure that those people who are giving me a hard time, you hit them with lightning. But God, I'm not really sure about me submitting my will to you because I want to make sure there's, a, there's an ROI, there's a return on investment. I want to make sure there's a payout at the end. And so we say things like this. We, we say things like, hey, wait a minute. I understand this whole concept of giving and tithing, but for me to be obedient, I need to make sure that there is a return that it is better for me, not more difficult for me. That if I give, I'm going to have more to be able to give to get what I want, not less where there has to be sacrifice on my part. And so what's happening is that we say things that I will, get, I will obey if you will explain to me what comes from it. Now, can you imagine a military unit doing that? Can you imagine just a, a, a company of men in which the, 
the, the captain or the major says, okay, we're going to charge and we're going to take that hill. And everybody goes, whoa, hang on just a second. I need you to explain to me why we're taking that hill. <laughs> and I also want to make sure that I am not going to get hurt. <laughs> because really, to be honest with you, i got a hair appointment next Tuesday. I want to make that. And you know, you know where I'm going. So what would happen with that unit? It would be disastrous. Because it's not necessarily for them to understand, it's for them to respond to the command. So he says in a way of which that we can grasp, in a military way, he's not promoting a militaristic mindset. He's trying to say, as a unit, it's not up for us to say, okay, God, you explain the end result. You explain the, the end, and then I will tell you if I do. God, you tell me what will come of it, and I will decide if I go and ask for forgiveness. See, you see where we're going? So in other words, we're basically saying is, I want to decide for myself if I obey. Not if God is you. And so he says for us to come against the powers of darkness in these schemes, we have to do something that is contrary to our normal American mindset. And that is, we have to submit to his will. And he says, put on the full armor of God. Generally speaking, that is to put on the full armor, put, put on the full armor of God, is to put on all the benefits and all, all of the privileges of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ when we put that on. It's to put on everything that God has at our disposal and to put that on. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Okay, let me, let me give you an easy illustration. You know, this morning, uh, it was pretty cold. And uh, can you imagine uh, just backing up on the coldest day we had in Georgia the past couple months? Can you imagine going out without proper clothing? Uh, you know, just being totally exposed. No, you would. It would be painful. It would hurt. It would be detrimental. It could be damaging even to you. But by putting on the proper clothing. And to insulate you, you were able to not only withstand the elements, but you were able to function in the elements. And you were able to, to do your normal thing with the elements. That's what God is saying about put on the full armor. He's saying put on the benefits, put on the privileges of Christ and him crucified. Put on the benefits that I have for you so that you can withstand those things that would want to destroy you, to harm you, to, 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 to do to damage to you. He says whenever we put on the full armor, we put on every blessing, we put on everything. Now, I know that some of you, and I don't think it's inappropriate at all, that as you begin your day, you say, Lord, I put on the full armor of God. And you take each element and you place those upon yourself. And I'm saying that's probably a great idea because it refreshes your mind and it brings to your forefront of your thinking the things of which that you are now prepared for in the life. When you put on the breastplate of righteousness, it protects the vital areas of you. Those things that are vital. 
God protects. When you put on the buckle of truth, you discern and see and understand those things. Whenever you take out the shield of faith, you quench those attacks, those accusations, those temptations, and you also are strong enough where people can stand behind you and shield them. Sword of the Spirit that you can destroy the works of the enemy. You have the helmet of salvation that you would have the mind of Christ and the vision of Christ and the hearing of Christ and not just through our own personal pride. What am I saying? is to put on the full armor of God. Whenever, uh, I, I, for all these years, I've always been uh, with working with individuals who are homeless. Uh, and it's a phenomenal ministry. It's, a, it's not an easy ministry. Because one of the most difficult things for a homeless person to do is to change from homeless thinking. Homeless thinking takes on many, many ways in many, and also is very synonymous to slave thinking. For example, the children of Israel, whenever they came out of Egypt and they were crossing through the desert, what God, all those stages, all those things was to remove a slave mentality and to give them a thinking of freedom and living as a free individual. So also with homelessness, that you can take an individual, in fact, we're seeing this in, and, and I'm, I'm not wanting to, throw stones here, but we're seeing now an effort that if we can take a homeless person and give them a different environment, for example, give them a small apartment or things of this nature, what they've discovered is that the homeless person will take their patterns and bring them to that small apartment. And so the, the bug infested, the, the bed bugs and all the stuff they pile around in the golf cart or in their little shopping cart, they bring and they put them inside, inside that, inside their apartment. Why? Because they haven't changed their thinking, they've changed their location. The full armor of God gives you the ability, gives you the power of which it literally changes your thinking. It changes your identity from that old person to the person you are in Christ from that defeated individual to the one who's living life more abundantly, from that individual who is struggling with anger and depression, anxiety, all these things, to you living in the newness of Christ, in the freshness of Christ. That's what it means by putting on the full armor of God, is that he has given you, through the blessings of God, a new thinking, a new way of living, a new identity. He's giving that to you through Jesus Christ. That is phenomenal. So the most powerful thing we do with homeless individuals is we don't take them and say, okay, here's your new set of clothes and here's your new location because they will just bring their old life into their new location. The most powerful thing we do is to take the months of discipleship and teach them the things of God and teach them that new identity and teach them that full armor of God where they are saying, I am no longer that man. I'm a new man in Christ. That's what God wants to do with you. Now, here's, here's my last one, and, and, and I'll end with this. Promise. That doesn't mean how long it'll take, but I promise it's the last one. Is the one thing you've got to understand is it says in verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So often, we wait until the crisis comes and then we want to break the glass, pull the hammer, you know, pull the handle that says fire or whatever. We need to stay with the full armor of God on. 
not just wait until the attack comes and we go, oh, hang on just a minute. I'll be right back. I got to change clothes. You want to have that on. So that means that you need to be faithful. Can I go back to the quote? It takes more prowess and power of spirit to be faithful to God than command a battalion of troops. Yes. Because why? We get distracted. We get displaced. And we have all these other things. And we, we have life where it's not quite difficult. And then we run into the buzzsaw of life and we go, wait a minute, God, where are you? He says, I'm here. I just need you to quip on up. So what is my encouragement to you today? And that's first of all this, is that we need to understand there is an enemy who is desirous of literally making you an example of his power to defeat. He's wanting your family, he's wanting your neighbors and your coworkers to use you as an example of how powerful he is. Secondly, I just want to remind you that Christ and him crucified, next Sunday we will celebrate that, defeated every single work of the enemy. There is nothing, nothing that he has that, over, that can overcome you. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I, I preached a sermon a number of years ago about the full armor of God. And I had a lady come up to me afterwards and she said, I wish you wouldn't have preached that. And I said, why? She said, because you've done stirred up the devil and he's going to make this church really suffer. I'm going, hang on, let me just say this to you. Greater is he that is overcome, right? And I believe that and you do too. Secondly, we need to be willing to submit to God's will unquestionably. Not with demanding explanation or seeing a benefit at the end. Our obedience is not determined upon our comfort. Our obedience is because we're children of the king and that we are to be obedient without explanation. Sometimes that means that we pay our tithe whenever it is a financial hardship for us because why? We are being obedient to the things of God, not just when it's convenient. Then finally, the other thing that I want to end with you and just remind you of, and that is that we need to put on the blessings and the provisions and the privileges of God by putting on the full armor. Do I think it's inappropriate for you to take uh, at your computer and you type out just the full armor list and every morning whenever you get in your car, you start and you put on your seatbelt that you also take long enough to say, Lord, I choose now by an act of my conscious will. I understand what I'm saying. I'm putting on the full armor of God. I take my feet that would be shod, shodded with the gospel of peace. Go through that list because you need to be able to withstand the attack of the enemy. And he's not leaving you alone. Can't imagine leaving your house without being clothed, can you? I hope that you will not leave the house without being spiritually clothed as well. Can I pray for you? Now, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head just for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, nor am I going to ask you to raise your hand. But I am going to ask you to be honest. I know that you can drift in your thoughts, but I'm just going to 
I'm just asking you to be focused, just for a moment, literally, just for a moment. Are you being obedient? Are you, have you allowed your will to be submitted to his? Or are you still holding back? Are you still saying, hang on just a second, I'm, I'm not all in. I'm in, but I'm not all in. Then maybe this is the time that you need to say to the Lord, I ask your forgiveness. I ask your forgiveness for my pride that I've been unwilling, or my fear that I've been unwilling to be completely submitted to your will. You're not an abusive God. You're not one who harms and hurts out of some sort of evil glee. You're a good God and you're good all the time. And you will never do evil. And I trust you that you will never abandon nor abuse. You will never neglect me. And I confess that I need to learn in a greater way submitting to your will. Just pray that to him, would you? Maybe you wanted to take some of my words. Maybe you wanted to take some of your words and mix them together by saying, Lord, I choose to be obedient. There's some behaviors that I've been doing. Then finally, are you ready to put on the full armor? Why don't you just right where you're at, right where you're at. I'm going to just verbalize them out, and I want you to say that in your prayer. Lord, I have put on now the gospel of peace that I stand firm and strong, that I'll be ever ready and ever ready to share the good news of the gospel, but also to stand in the firmness that I am totally, totally the Lord's. And I don't have to fear because I'm his. I take on the buckle of truth that I will be able to discern the times of which that we live that I'll be able to discern good and evil, right and wrong, those things that are truth and those things that are lies. I come against the lies of the enemy through temptation or accusation. I take up the breastplate of righteousness that those vital areas of my life, those vital areas, Lord, you will protect. Some of them I can list, some of them I can't. I take up the shield of faith that I would stand strong against the attack of the enemy. I take up the helmet of salvation, that I would have the mind of Christ, and I would speak through that mind of Christ, not through anger, not through revenge or hurt, but through the mind of Christ. I take up the, the sword of the Spirit, that I will do the work of the enemy in destroying, that I will do the work of God in destroying the work of the enemy. And that wherever I may be, that I will glorify God through my life each and every, every day. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Blessings. Blessings. Have a great day. In the